0: The scripture that we're going to be looking at, uh, Matthew 26, verses 30 to 35, is going to be on the overhead. But I want to encourage you that if you have your Bibles this morning, that you will open to that passage of scripture. And if you don't have your Bibles, I encourage you to go home and read this passage of scripture. Uh, We are today having the Lord's Supper. And the events that we're going to read in these verses happened after the Lord took the supper, the Passover as it was called at that time, with his disciples. But folks, I want to point something out. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I was reading a devotional in the open window, and the title of the devotion was A Second Chance to Obey God's Instructions. And it centered around Jonah and Jonah's life. And if you know anything about the prophet Jonah, you know that God had a mission for Jonah and Jonah refused and Jonah packed it up and left town and said, God, I don't want to do what you want me to do. And you know the story well that God had prepared a great fish to swallow him. And after three days in the fish's belly, uh, Jonah said, well, Lord, I've changed my mind. I'll do what you want me to do. Thank God that he gives us a second chance. Next Sunday, the Project Laws team will be sharing with us, and then after that, we're going to have some Sundays that we look at people in the scripture that were given a second chance, a second opportunity to obey God and to respond to him. And so today, as we begin this study, I I just want to praise the Lord that he gives us all a second chance. Let's pray together. Father, indeed, we are grateful. that your love for us is unconditional, unfailing, and it never ends. God, so often you seek to speak to us and we turn away from you. You seek to give us salvation or give us spiritual gifts and we say, no, thank you. Today, Father, I just pray you would remind us of how much you love each and every one of us. And I just pray, Father, that you'll meet needs Lord, if there are those here today that have never trusted Christ as their Savior, I pray that once again, Father, that you will approach them through your word and offer them the gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sin, of being adopted as a child of God and having our names written in the Lamb's book of life and the promise of heaven for eternity. And Father, pray for us as Christians and as a church, Lord, so often you do chart a course for each one of us, but along life's way, for many different reasons, we get off course and we turn away from you. And thank you again, Father, that you want to give us a second chance. Lord, please today take this passage of Scripture and speak to every heart and meet the needs of all that are here. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Follow with me as we read this passage of Scripture. And when they had sung a a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter declared to him, And I want you to think for just a minute about this man, Peter. Many of us, and I am so guilty, I run my mouth. What's that old expression? My mouth goes in gear before my brain does. And I'm sure at this point in time, Peter is so caught up in wanting to serve Jesus that when Jesus talks about everyone falling away from him, he just lets the Lord know, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away away Jesus responded to him truly I say to you this very night before the cock crows you will deny me three times Peter said to him now listen to this folks even if I must die with you I will not deny you and look at those last words in that last phrase and so said all the disciples Folks, as I began preparing for this sermon this morning, I thought about the many things about God and our Lord that simply amaze me. And to say that God is an awesome God and an amazing God is truly an understatement. As I began to think about the many things that God has done to amaze me and to amaze you, I thought about five different things that I want to share with you this morning about God's amazing love. Number one... His love for us as sinners is amazing, is it not? Let me read again Romans 5, 8. And I know in recent months, this verse keeps surfacing. But listen to this verse again. And please notice how Paul uses pronouns like us to describe what God has done. Listen to this. But God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, think about this for just a second. The Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth and died for you and I, knowing that humanity would reject him. Jesus knew that as he came, as a man and also as God, they would resist him and reject him, and that a cross would be his ultimate destiny. But still Jesus came in love, showing beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loves us. And here's the way I like to think of this verse. When you and I are at our very worst, God loves us. And let me give you a demonstration of this. Now, the Apostle Paul writes Romans 5, 8. But the Apostle Paul also writes 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Listen to this verse. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. All of us would agree with that, I hope. But listen to what Paul says. And I am the foremost. The King James translates that word chief. And I am the chief of sinners. Folks, the apostle Paul knew that if there had ever been a sinner who lived on the face of the earth, it was him. You remember the day according to the word of God that Paul was saved and came to know the Lord? In Acts chapter 9, Paul, who had been persecuting imprisoning, beating, and even killing Christians in Jerusalem was going down to Damascus to do the same thing. And some of you, if you don't know the stories in the Bible, you might be thinking, well, did Paul really kill other Christians? Well, folks, in Acts chapter 8, Paul is watching as they stoned Stephen to death, and he is approving of what they are doing. No wonder Paul says, I am the chief of all sinners. But Paul writes again in Romans 5, 8, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. On the road to Damascus that day, the resurrected Lord appeared to Saul, who was later named Paul, and shared his love with Paul. Folks, the love for, of God for sinners is absolutely amazing. And there's something else about God that is amazing. And that is that Jesus seeks us out even in the most sinful moments of our lives. Listen again to Luke chapter 19 verse 10. And you remember the context of this story. Jesus is busy about his ministry and he's going through a town. And there's a man that is so despised named Zacchaeus because he is a tax collector. And nobody even loved the man and he is short of stature, so he has to climb up in a tree to see Jesus as he walks by. But when Jesus gets to the tree, he stops and tells Zacchaeus to come down. And he goes to Zacchaeus' house. And Zacchaeus comes to know the living Lord. And many people begin to criticize Jesus because he stopped and ate with a man like Zacchaeus. What were you doing? Where were you at when the Lord came seeking you? I told this story at the 830 service, and I promise it's true. It wasn't in my notes, but I just felt led of the Lord to share this story. And for some of you, I hope it won't be offensive. When I was in college my first two years, there was an older guy that was there studying for the ministry. His name was Stan Craig. Stan was at least 10 years older than the rest of us that were preparing for ministry. Stan had already been in the military, had served in Vietnam But during the time that he was in the service, he heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And his whole life was changed. Stan became a powerful preacher, and it did not matter where he was at or what he was doing. If God led him to begin to share with people, he would do that. I was told later by some of his close friends that when he finished school, he became a North American Mission Board missionary and was serving a church in West Virginia. And one day Stan was in the wreck and the ambulance had to come pick him up and he'd been injured and he was bloody and all beaten up. And as he was going to the hospital in that ambulance, not knowing he would live or not, he looked at the ambulance attendant and said, can I tell you about Jesus Christ and his love for you? And I'm not making this up. This is the type man that he was. And Stan Craig told us one night, as people were asking about his boldness, he just said, well, you know, God sought me out at the worst moment of my life. And Stan began to tell about a time in which, while he was in the service, and and if my memory serves me right, he was in the country of Thailand, and he said that, that a lot of his buddies were visiting a house of prostitution, And he began to be concerned about them and about their souls. And so one night, God truly led him. I don't know if you can imagine this or not, but this man told me that he did it, and I believe it. He took his Bible, and he went to the house of prostitution, and he began to walk up and down the, the aisles of that house telling people how to be saved. And if Stan Craig is telling the lie, then I'm telling a lie that he told me first. But he told me that that night, one of the soldiers gave his heart and life to Christ. There in that house of prostitution. And folks, I'm saying all that to say this, that Jesus Christ seeks us out. And even in the most sinful moments of our life, Jesus is there with us. Is that not Amazing. (laughs) And a third thing that amazes me is Jesus' death on the cross to take the judgment and punishment of my sin and your sin upon himself. Let me read verses again out of Isaiah chapter 53 and just follow along. And, and you know, a lot of people have trouble with this passage of Scripture that was probably written uh, hundreds, perhaps between six and 700 years before Jesus was born on this earth. And you remember that earlier in the... In the prophecy of Isaiah, Isaiah prophesies that there will be one that will be born of a virgin who will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And in Isaiah 53, he is giving a description of someone who will come and die in the place of others. Someone who will not be a sinner that is to be judged, but one who will come and take the judgment and punishment of others. Listen to what Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, beginning with verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And please notice again that Isaiah is talking about something that the Lord did for someone else. He's not being put to death or bearing griefs and sorrows because of what he had done, but because of what we had done. Yet we have strained and esteemed him, stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for whose transgressions? Our transgressions, my transgressions, your transgressions. He was bruised for whose iniquities? My iniquities, yours. Upon him was a chastisement that made us whole, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of who? Of us all. And listen to what uh, what isaiah says in verse 12 because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors yet he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors i can remember john durham who was one of the old profess, uh, old testament professors in seminary teaching a january bible study that i was a part of and and i remember one night Someone quizzed him, do you think Isaiah knew that the cross was what he was talking about in Isaiah 53? And I remember John Durham saying, well, you know, I really can't answer that question, but I do believe this, that even though Isaiah might not have understood how God was going to take away the sins of all sinners, he believed that when Isaiah got to heaven, God gave him a better understanding in presenting his son to him and said, Isaiah, this is who you were talking about. It is no accident that Isaiah makes his prophecy. It is no accident that later on in the book of Acts that God helps a eunuch come to know Jesus as his Savior through the teachings of Isaiah 53. And I've got to go back and correct myself. I, get, I got my scripture passages mixed up in Acts 8 and 9, okay? And you go back, and you'll find out where I've got that mixed up about which chapter had Paul's testimony, okay? But forgive me for that. But listen also to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Paul again writing, For our sake he Christ, God, he God made him Christ to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And again, folks, what I'm trying to point out, is it not amazing that the Son of God himself would come to this earth to die on a cross to take my punishment and my judgment for my sins? And there's a fourth thing that is so amazing, and that is Jesus' offer of salvation to all that are willing to repent of sin and to believe that he is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And hear again from the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 10, verses 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13. Listen to these verses as I read them. And Tim, would you open these doors? We've been leaving the doors open because some of you are hot. We get an airflow through here, okay? All right. But let me read these verses out of Romans 9 through 13. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For man believes with his heart and so is justified. He confesses with his lips and so is saved. But listen to these verses. The scriptures say no one who believes in him will be put to shame. Let me tell you something. Anything that we commit to Jesus Christ, we don't have to be ashamed of. Anything that we commit to him, such as our salvation, we don't have to worry that he's not going to give it to us. Because if he says, I'll give you salvation, I'll free you from sin, he'll do it. And Paul says in verse 12, there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and bestows his riches upon all who call upon him. And listen to verse 13. For everyone, everyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is that not amazing? And you can say amen anytime you want to, okay? That is absolutely amazing that salvation is offered to everyone on this planet. And it doesn't make any difference how sinful or unimportant we feel like we are. And a fifth thing that amazes me, I'm speaking here to Christians and to the church. It amazes me that Jesus desires to continually live in fellowship with his children by forsaking, by forgiving them of their sin. Let me read 1 John 1, 1.9. And folks, this has been a verse that has held me together throughout the years because I struggle with sin every single day. John writes, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In just a few verses, in just a few verses down, we're going to tell you that. Go ahead, up to the next one, if you will. First John, uh, back, back, forward, please. Um, I'm, I, it's my fault. Go, go on through. Uh, First John two nine. There go. Let's read these two verses. First John one seven and eight. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Let me point something out in this verse. What cleanses us from sin? Is it being a member of Teresa Baptist Church? Is it being baptized? Is it coming to church and going to Sunday school? And those are all wonderful things, and I hope that you're going to do those. But you know what cleanses us from our sin? It is the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it, folks. But listen to this, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Let me ask you something as a fellow brother and sister in Christ. How often do we confess? How often do we repent of our sin in the presence of God? (laughs) Folks, one of the problems with we who profess to be Christians, we think we're already there when in reality we struggle every day. But what's this message about? The second chance, God? Let me get you to go back now to 1 John 2.1. Folks, what are we going to do with our sin? As Christians, let me tell you an amazing thing. In 1 John 2.1, John writes these words, My little children, I am writing this to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, what are we going to do? Listen to this. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Folks, the word advocate paints a picture of Jesus' heavenly ministry as one, who speaks to the Father in our defense. Folks, let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit of God is going to be convicting you and I when we sin. That's how much he loves us. You remember Jesus says in the latter part of the Gospel of John, when I am taken from you, I will send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has many ministries, but one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to convince and convict us that we have sinned and rebelled against God. But folks, listen, the Lord Jesus is praying for us there in heaven. This verse has taken on new meaning for me because I'm going to tell you that in the struggle of trying to live for the Lord, there are some days when I just feel like just throwing my hands up and saying, Lord, just let me go. Just, just let me do something else. Just, just, Lord, forget my name. And the Lord reminds me, don't worry about what's happening because I've been praying for you. And now when I face something difficult, a hard day, I think about the fact that my Savior not only shed his blood to take my sin away and free me from my bondage to sin, but he's in heaven right now, and he's next to the Father. And he's saying, Father, please help Herbert. Please help you. Please help Teresa Baptist Church. Please help everybody of believers that we will not be ashamed of the gospel, that we'll stand tall for the Lord Jesus regardless or what's going on in the world around us. Folks, here's the point that I'm trying to build up to. God is so often giving so much to you and I, but one of the things that he wants to give us is second chances, second opportunities to follow him. He wants to give us another opportunity to be forgiven of our failures, not only in our past, but also in our present. And God wants to give us another opportunity to walk in fellowship and service and blessings with him. And I just want you for just a few minutes, and we've got the Lord's Supper, and I'm going to close in just a few minutes. But I want to ask a question. What do you and I in the spiritual realm need a second chance or a second opportunity from God on? let me point some things out, and please, again, hear me as speaking from my heart. And first of all, I want to speak to you if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. But you've rejected His offer of salvation. Folks, I believe that our God loves everyone so much that at some point in time in life, and often many times, the Lord Jesus is going to come to each one of us and offer us His salvation if we're willing to repent of sin and trust in Him as the Son of God and save the world. And for all of us in this building, unless we're just old enough, not old enough to understand when God begins to deal with our heart, perhaps earlier in life, it might have been as a child, as a teenager, it might have been last week, it might have been even yesterday that God was offering you the gift of His love and salvation, but you said, no thanks, God, don't need it right now. I don't know if I can trust you right now. Folks, he's going to give you a second chance. And it might even be this moment, this day. Would you trust him as your personal savior? But I also want to speak to you and I as believers. As born again believers, have we grown cold and indifferent and walked away from God? We can... We can put on the pretense and the outward appearance of a close walk with God, but inwardly, inwardly, we know we have not allowed God to work in our lives and be the center and focus of our life. I so often find myself in that place, and so often when I do, it's because I have walked away from God, not He walking away from me. And again, I want to remind you of the ministry, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit, that he is going to convict us of our sin and he's going to let us know when we walked away from God. And folks, I want to ask you a very important question this morning. What sins have we allowed to take us away from God? And let me point some things out I believe that will do that. What are my favorite sins and your favorite sin that we don't want to confess that we don't want to repent of and forsake as Christians and be honest with God, because I know I have that struggle and I'm sure you do too. And let me just list some things that perhaps are standing between you and God. How about pride and self-centeredness? James says that the Lord opposes those that are proud. Proud. If you and I let pride and self-centeredness rise up in our life, it will separate us from fellowship with God. And folks, the world that we live in, how can we keep from having lustful thoughts and committing adultery in our hearts and minds? Because we're living in such a sex-oriented world. And folks, I'm trying to deal with some real problems that all of us face. How about drug or alcohol use? And folks, I know that happens even among the people of God. We should not experiment with anything that would cause us to act out of fellowship with God. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, and we are to not to do anything that would diminish the work of God in our lives. If I hadn't stepped on your toes yet, let me go on. OK? How about lying? You have trouble with that? How about cheating? How about slander or gossip? How about backbiting? How many of us have already complained about something this morning? I told the 8.30 crowd the air conditioner wasn't, wasn't working right in the fellowship hall this morning. Nobody came up to me and complained. I can't understand why. I think they thought I was loading them up for it. Folks, Listen. How about being selfish with our time and our talents and our possessions? With all of God's mercy and love and grace for each one of us, we must all remember that he is holy and we are to be holy like he is. And folks, let me tell you something. You and I need to be given a second chance so often to desire, to develop a desire to study scripture. Again, I don't want this to sound like I'm preaching down on you. That's not my point. I struggle every day. Now, I know that it's part of my job description to prepare sermons, but I struggle every day with giving God time to study the Scriptures. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. You can't do it for your children. We can read the Bible in their presence But folks, we need to make a commitment as the children of God. We need to have a second chance at learning to study the Scripture and live by them. How about prayer? You know, we have become so selfish with our time. And when we do not pray, we are truly hurting ourselves and hurting our walk with God. And again, hear me, I'm not up here trying to criticize. That's not my point. I have preached this to myself before I got in this pulpit, and God has preached this to me. You know, sometimes I go to make hospital visits, and I always try and have prayer. And when I leave, I feel a little bit guilty because I'm getting paid to pray, but I see these folks that come in, and they begin to pray for others. You know what touched me this past week? The, the Youth for Christ sent a letter our church. It's posted on the bulletin board. And they had a camp, I believe it was week before last or last week. And as a part of that camp, they sent groups of young people out to pray for churches in this county. It didn't make any difference to denomination. It didn't make any difference to race. They were sent out to pray for churches. And they sent us a picture of young people in front of our church sign. They'd come out here to pray for us. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord. Folks, we need to learn that God wants to give us another chance to get tight with him through his word and in time of prayer. And listen, don't worry. If you say, well, I don't understand what I'm reading, keep reading. God, God I'll show you something that you that you can understand. Any time we give to spiritual things, God will bless. I thank you for being here this morning, but let me tell you something. Worshiping God goes far beyond meeting here on Sundays. Again, please hear me from the heart. Folks, these disciples, and I'll close with telling you this. These disciples were getting ready to learn that Jesus was the God of second chance and second opportunities. I hope you'll just go home and just think about what's getting ready to happen to Jesus. You know, it absolutely amazes me that in verse 30, after they finished what we call the Lord's Supper, you know what they did? They sang a hymn. Now, we know from, from Jewish uh, Scripture and from Jewish teachings that after the Passover, they, they, they sang a hymn. But how hard it must have been for Jesus to sing the hymn, knowing that his disciples would soon betray him and deny him. Judas has already denied him for 30 pieces of silver How hard it must have been for Jesus to sing knowing that soon he would be arrested and he would be falsely accused, he would be beaten, he would be humiliated, he would be placed on the cross and crucified to death. How could Jesus sing a hymn? Because Jesus knew what was beyond the cross. It is very, very hard to live the Christian life. And you and I as Christians cannot fully engage in serving Jesus until we take up the cross. Not a literal, but a spiritual cross and follow him. But let me tell you, beyond the cross that we carry is the glory of being a child of God and of serving him. In the coming weeks, we're going to look at some people that got a second chance. I don't know where you're at this morning if you've not trusted Christ He's offered you salvation. You said no. Would you say yes to him today? In your heart, would you bow your, your heart and, and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died, and he took upon himself my sins. He was judged in my place, and today I trust his blood to wash my sin away, and I trust him as Savior. And my dear Christian brother and sister, where are we at right now? And I walk with him. Do we need a second chance? He offers that to us. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit is speaking to hearts right now. Lord, it's not my words, but yours. And it's not my spirit, but your spirit, Lord, that is leading folks to make new decisions I pray, Father, that if there's someone here who needs to trust your son as their Savior and to profess him openly before men, that you'll help them to do that even this moment. And I pray for each one of us as Christians. Lord, I feel like, Paul, I am the chief sinner. But I thank you, Lord, for second chances. I pray that we would feel that sense of forgiveness that as we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, thank you for the second chances we have to serve you, and I pray that we'll take advantage of them. Lord, in these moments of invitation, may your will be done. Lead hearts and souls to surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen.